Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Freedom Talks podcast. Uh, today, we're pleased to have uh, Dr. Chrissy Connor. Um, she's a dentist from Brookfield, Wisconsin, focuses on obstructive sleep apnea and temporomandibular disorders. Um, she originally got her BSN in 2001 at Marquette University School of Nursing. Um, she was an emergency room nurse at Aurora Sinai Medical Center for three years um, before attending Marquette University School of Dentistry to receive her DDS degree. In 2008, um, she's been collaborating with physicians to treat patients with obstructive sleep apnea using oral appliance therapy since 2014, uh, and we're really pleased to have you on to kind of get your expertise. So uh, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me here today and asking me to come in and talk a little bit. Yeah, we're very pleased to have you. And also, we have uh, owner of Freedom Physical Therapy, Mike Karaginas, um, who is a TMD specialist. Um, and so... We're just going to have a little discussion on um, sleep, sleep apnea and uh, OSA and uh, kind of how they link occasionally uh, to TMD and why treating TMD um, is important in that aspect. So, um, Dr. Connor, I would just like to start with your kind of background and how you got into uh, oral appliance therapy and kind of your transition from nursing to dentistry. So you started as a nurse. Um, what sparked your interest, or did you always know that you eventually wanted to become a dentist? Well, I always thought I'd go into medical school. Okay. And uh, so that was one of the reasons why I went into nursing school. I thought it'd be a great way to kind of get into the medical field and um, kind of getting into working in the emergency room. I wanted to do something different, go back to school, do either... Um, be a, a nurse practitioner or go, go to medical school. Um, and at that time, just things were just changing in the healthcare field, and I thought, well, I still want to do, be in the medical field. Um, what would be a good way to do that? And uh, one of my dad's uh, friends is a, is a dentist in Chicago, so shadowed him and made my decision to go to dental school instead of medical school. So okay. very happy I made that decision. It seems to have worked out for you. So... Um, <clears throat> You get your, your degree in 2008, and then it says since 2014 on your website that you've really been doing the oral appliance therapy. Um, was that something you got into right away as a dentist, or did you treat as like your what you would think is your average dentist with dental checkups and things like that, and then how did you get put on to um, the oral appliance therapy for sleep apnea? Well, when I was in dental school, I met a patient who asked me if I would be able to make him a device to treat a sleep apnea. And he said he had heard that that was something that a dentist could do. Um, unfortunately, in dental school, we don't get a lot of training or education um, on um, the airway and how dentists can um, screen or treat uh, obstructive sleep apnea. So that really intrigued me. Um, probably more so because at that time, my husband is a neurologist and he was focusing on sleep. So he kept telling me, hey, dentists can uh, make oral devices that can treat obstructive sleep apnea. And um, having met that patient who asked me if I could make a device for him, I thought, hey, this is kind of a, a nice tie between medicine and dentistry. And I think my, my head always kind of focused that way just because of um, you know, being an emergency room nurse, you're always thinking about airway. And so I was kind of driven to kind of focus in on that, and I thought, this is pretty neat. When I did my residency in 2008 to 2009 at the VA hospital, um, got to do a lot of different rotations, worked with a, um, a nurse anesthetist um, who was also working with patients with obstructive sleep apnea, talked to him about these mandibular advancement devices as well, and I realized nobody really knew much about them. And so I think that even more intrigued me that, hey, I can do something to help patients. It's a little bit different than traditional treatment, um, like a CPAP machine. Um, and that kind of got me to think more outside the box and think, okay, I want to, I want to learn some more. So I started looking for online courses, and that's when I um, found the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine. And that has been a pretty um, prestigious academy that has really brought oral appliance therapy forward, um, and they have been treating as an academy for about 30 years. So I think that always surprises patients when they think oral appliance therapy has been around for 30 years. How come my doctors never mention that to me? Um, when I go in, you know, I, when I meet patients, that's something that they always tell me. I've gone through years of CPAP treatment, different masks. I've gone in to see my, my doctor 
Um, and this has never come up until I either heard you, um, saw something on Facebook, and I, and I, I think that that definitely needs to change um, because oral appliance therapy has really um, been a great treatment option for a lot of patients. Is it the end all for all patients? No, the same as CPAP. So um, I do think that um, oral appliance therapy is kind of moving its way up in the medical world. And part of that, I think, too, has to do with the fact that who do you find to make these appliances for you? I think that's really a kind of a deterrent for a lot of physicians. Do they just go to their general dentist? Do they, you know, where do I find somebody that would know how to treat a patient and also collaborate with, with a physician, excuse me, with the physicians? Um, I think that um, understanding that this is a dental solution to a medical problem. So therefore, it needs to be treated as a, in collaboration with a team. So knowing that you are not the one person that's doing all the treatment, um, in order to get this uh, covered through medical insurance, you kind of have, you're, you're forced to, to work with uh, within the medical model, which actually is a great way to do this because I don't diagnose obstructive sleep apnea. Physicians diagnose obstructive sleep apnea. I'm just one aspect of that treatment process, and that is to provide uh, oral appliance therapy for um, increasing the size of the airway and stabilizing the airway. And once we are able to adjust the appliances and make them comfortable enough for patients to use them throughout the night, then they go back to their physicians to continue care. So I guess for most of our listeners, what exactly is sleep apnea and how does the position of the jaw um, affect whether or not you may have issues with your airway while you're sleeping? So obstructive sleep apnea basically is um, when someone is sleeping, they're either um, having episodes of apnea, so apnea would be defined as um, cessation of airflow for 10 seconds or more, and then, or episodes of hypopneas, um, which is a reduction of airflow that would drop their oxygen saturations. So patients are having these repeated episodes while they're sleeping, and um, oxygen levels are dropping, and this will um, interfere with their sleep cycle. So is the only way still to diagnose sleep apnea is with the sleep studies? Is that still how they do that? Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, we screen patients, um, and there are some questionnaires, like an Epworth questionnaire that assesses daytime uh, tiredness. But um, in-lab sleep studies, um, polysomnograms versus um, home sleep studies, which is like a device that you'd pick up from your physician's office and then use that throughout the night. Um, the difference between those two really, um, you look at it a couple different ways. You get more information from a polysomnogram. I always prefer for a patient to have one of those because you really get to see uh, REM sleep, non-REM sleep. You get, it's just a lot more detailed um, versus uh, home sleep studies, and with a home sleep study, um, you're still getting a lot of that valid information, um, and patients do really tend to like those a lot more than going into a, a laboratory and having somebody watch you sleep. So, yes, but yes, that is the, um, how uh, obstructive sleep apnea is diagnosed through a sleep study. Okay. Um, well, so working with Mike at the clinic, and, and he's written some blogs on, our, on the Treating TMJ website, um, about sleep and how important it is, um, especially for his patients when he deals with a lot of headache patients, uh, TMD patients, things like that. But in general, um, I think physical therapists uh, and physicians understand that sleep is an important aspect of being healthy, right? Um, but I guess, Mike, how, how much do you attribute or how much do you look at sleep in the clinic uh, when you're treating or think about that um, and why, I guess, is um, having someone to refer to like Dr. Connor so important to have at our disposal? So a great question and good morning, Brady and Dr. Connor. Thank you for being here. Brady, thanks for setting this up. Uh, well, first I wanted to just recap a little bit because, you know, Dr. Chrissy gave folks a ton of information, but I think the key message to hit home with is, you know, just like most of us, you know, you get your physical therapy degree, you know, in her case, got her dental degree, the, the knowledge and the expertise she has really goes above and beyond uh, that initial degree. So I also want to be really clear that as a consumer, you need to really search out people who have the qualifications like Dr. Chrissy to, sleep, uh, to, to treat sleep because for better or for worse, uh, it's become quite a buzzword. 
So there are a lot of uh, facilities that claim to treat sleep just like they claim to treat uh, TMD, temporal mandibular disorders, or TMJ issues is what the public is more familiar with. And you have to be a, be a little bit careful. So um, for, for physical therapy, because again, right, we don't get that training in school about sleep, uh, certainly not about TM, TMD or TMJ, so we all had to go on for additional training and certifications. Uh, the way that I think a physical therapist can help screen are there are some very uh, ob objective signs when someone comes into the clinic. One thing you mentioned already could be morning headaches. Morning headaches could be a sign of all kinds of different things. It could be the position they're in, but it could be uh, a sleep-related uh, sleep or breathing disorder uh, because a lot of times if our sinuses are blocked, our nasal passages are blocked, well, we have no choice but to resort to breathing through our mouth. And when we do that, we tend to tip our head backwards to open up our airway better so we can get more oxygenation, as Dr. Chrissy was talking about earlier. Um, so a lot of times that position we're in all night to breathe better uh, can contribute to headaches. From an objective perspective, uh, there, there's, there's some pretty good studies out there. For example, uh, uh, neck circumference. There are some markers that uh, when you measure somebody's neck, if it's over a certain uh, 16, 17 inches, can be a, a, an indicator of uh, sleep apnea. Uh, the other thing that we do, and I, I know Dr. Chrissy does this as well, is you, know, you have them open their mouth, kind of like when you're at the doctor, say, ah, and you're really looking, especially too, in, in young kids, for tonsils to be an issue. Uh, but you're also looking for how much space the back of their tongue might take up and occlude their airway, which at night can make that condition even worse. Uh, there are things like other things, there are other good studies out there about the width of your tongue um, versus the, the opening. We call it the pharyngeal opening in the back of your throat. And then even just side profiles. They've actually done measurements uh, for like in men in particular where you might notice uh, the side profile of a male and if they have really uh, kind of where they're, you can tell their, their jaws back quite a bit, but also that, that their front of their neck is pretty full. Uh, there's a measurement we look at as well as a pretty good indicator as well of, of sleep issues. And then just normal appearance. You know, when our teenagers come in, uh, do they have allergies? What other things could be going on? Uh, do they look like they're a mouth breather? And, and why is that? And then that's when, you know, again, with Dr. Chrissy's help, or maybe it's a good ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doc, you want to look at that airway. Can that be cleaned up? Uh, and then, you know, work together to make those necessary referrals to, to specialists like what Dr. Connor can do. Yeah, so you both kind of mentioned, um, <clears throat> like you had mentioned that not all physicians have a good referral source for um, the OSA uh, appliance therapy. Um, and like Mike said, it, it, not all providers are created equal. Um, I guess what are, your, what, what are both of your opinions on um, how to educate patients on that there is this difference and here's what you need to look for on a website? Because I think from a patient's perspective, unless you have someone that you really trust telling you like this is the thing to do. I think a lot of patients have a hard time um, trusting what they find on the internet or knowing the difference on the internet between what is just kind of fluff advertising and what is good information to have. Yeah, I definitely think that um, you know doing a little bit of research on the education that somebody um, has. So possibly you know if you go in and talk to your, uh, your dentist about this, asking them, well, you know, are you, um, do you have any, you know, what, what types of courses have you taken? Do you have any certifications for it? I think that's, you know, really when you talk about sleep um, training, um, you can, you know, there are tons of courses out there for dentists and, you know, do you want somebody who's gone in, you know, for a weekend warrior course and come out and say, yep, I absolutely know how to do these versus somebody that um, has done over, you know, 200 hours of, con you know, continuing education, plus also hundreds of cases uh, successfully treated, hundreds of cases um, in collaboration with physicians and have seen the, the results. Um, and also to know, you know, when, you know, if there are any side effects or, um, you know, how to, how to, how to help patients with that. So, um, you know, I've had uh, other general dentists call me and ask me, you know what, I got this far with the patient. Um, they're, they're just, they're, they're uncomfortable. I don't know what to do at this point. Um, and I guess, you know, we all have to start somewhere. 
Um, but I think that when you're dealing with treating a medical condition, um, you should really kind of look at the past uh, education that, that the provider has. Um, one thing that, I mean, for me, I have um, received a diplomat status with the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine and uh, the American Academy of uh, Sleep and Breathing. So I have had two, you know, lots of extra training on this and um, I obviously also have limited my, my practice to yes. focus on this. So I think that my, my passion is really in, in sleep and TMD mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and it, you know, we're just totally focused, the entire office is totally focused on treating patients with obstructive sleep apnea and TMD. So we really don't treat anything else. It's not a typical dental practice. Um, we don't have, I don't have a hygienist operating in my office. I don't have um, even a, a, a handpiece like you would see in, in, a, in a regular dental office. So this is uh, definitely just absolutely focused on sleep and TMD. Um, is- so you mentioned the certification um, process for for the board certified uh, kind of uh, I don't know what you would call it like you said a certification, yeah. um, and I know like Mike has the resources through um, the PTCTTB. Yep, yep, it's uh, a long one. <laughs> All <laughs> those, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, but like there's there, there's these websites that they can go to to find these providers. Is there something that the that the American has. Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine does have a website, and you can find either a qualified dentist, so that's somebody who has not received their diplomat status but is on their way to, um, and maybe in the process of it, or has received a lot of continuing education to qualify for that, um, versus finding a diplomat. Okay. So there are like zip codes or just people in the state that you can find. Okay, yeah. that's a good resource. So actually, that would probably be a really great uh, resource to probably start with if you're you know, kind of wondering, is your dentist um, maybe on that qualifying dentist list through the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine or not? Okay, so. that's a really good resource to have. Um, so you, you mentioned um, your office is kind of focused around uh, OSA and treating TMD. Um, what, what do you find that the link is between having obstructive airway and TMD dis- or uh, temperament debrilla disorder? That's a loaded question. Sorry. Lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're here to talk about, I think. Well, okay. Well, you know, you really can't separate the two, and that is something that I learned really early on, that um, when you are evaluating, evaluating patients for obstructive sleep apnea, you really also have to um, be assessing the temporal mandibular joint as well. So a lot of the treatment aspect of it is going to involve like the treatment of obstructive sleep apnea with these oral appliances. You have to make sure the patient has a healthy jaw joint. But going you know, aside, past that whole treatment process, um, we, we know that you know, 80% of patients with obstructive sleep apnea also have TMD. And the correlation goes the, op- the other way around, that patients with TMD also have a higher risk for obstructive sleep apnea. Um, we're, you know, when we, when we think about, um, bruxism, so clenching, grinding, um, that whole process, where a lot of patients who have temporal mandibular joint dysfunction, uh, tend to, um, have a lot of, we think about possibly, you know, is this, is this a process that, um, the body's using as a protective process to help open up the airway while the patient's sleeping? I don't know if you have... Other things. No, I, I agree. I think that uh, the, the fact that we do see this correlation, uh, you know, causation is always a, a, a tough one, but the correlation where you see those two uh, in tandem. Um, and as Dr. Connor's indicating, like with the bruxism, uh, the clenching and grinding that can occur at night, you know, we'll, we'll also see an increase in muscular activity, right, of your jaw and facial muscles. So uh, not uncommon while they might be doing that as a reason to stimulate their breathing and, and open up their airway as a result of that increase or what we would call parafunction at night, uh, they're, they're, they're more apt to end up having muscle pain in their face, increase in neck pain possibly, uh, and, and the longer that goes on, there's a possibility then they could develop uh, you know, some wearing of their temporomandibular joint or a disc problem uh, that could present with different issues as well for people over time. So. Uh, it's 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 pretty fascinating, and I think uh, sadly, just uh, you know, as Dr. Connor would attest to, there's just not enough practitioners that have this level of awareness and experience. Is the problem? I mean, in the PT world, 
there's about only 100 of us throughout the entire U.S. And as of right now, there's only two of us, uh, myself and uh, Mark uh, Strickland, that have two of the certifications that are out there for TMD. So the, the problem you run into, and I assume it's really not any different in dentistry, um, it's just hard to find people that know you know what Dr. Connor knows and being able to get into the right hands and, and do the right thing. So uh, prob probably good to share a little bit about um, uh, like the options, right? I mean, a CPAP, I think most people are familiar with, but maybe a little description of that and, and why maybe the mandibular advancement device, right? And talking about what that kind of looks like and what it does um, uh, so people can have a little yeah. bit of a visual and why maybe we're finding the advancement devices to be at least more uh, uh, better um, compliance. Compliant. Um, just, you could probably, that's fine. Um, I guess I, I wanted to go back to mm -hmm. some of the, the comments about um, the, the whole bruxism, clenching, mm -hmm. grinding. Yeah. I think it is important to kind of note that when people have obstructive sleep apnea and they're having an episode, either an apneic episode or a hypopneic episode, you know, it's, it's a, that, that clenching and grinding is a, it's a response mm -hmm. to that. And right. by that response, they're, they're trying to push open you know, their, their airway, trying to open up their airway. I kind of think that, um, kind of trying to hit home on that whole concept of you know, why do we see uh, TMD and OSA, mm -hmm. that relationship, and it's, mm -hmm. it's this constant, um, you know, while you're sleeping, you're having these episodes. So it's this you know, continuous response to the airway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to the low oxygen while you're sleeping. So you continue to have this, this response of, um, you know, body, you know, lower oxygen levels, and then body kind of responds by that clenching, grinding. And one of those um, hypotheses are, is it the body naturally trying to open up the airway, re mm -hmm. reposture, right? right? Repositioning yes. that lower mm -hmm. jaw forward. And that kind of goes back to, you know, what the treatment is, right? Mm -hmm. So um, when we look at um, comparing CPAP to an oral appliance, CPAP is using positive airway pressure to pneumatize, to stent the airway open. That's either being delivered by like a nasal pap or a full face. Um, and with a, with a CPAP machine, you can, you can titrate that machine. Um, you can use, obviously it's using pressure, so you can auto-titrate that machine from 5 to 15 and um, kind of push open up that airway however much pressure you need. With an oral appliance, it's going to work a lot differently, right? So um, what, what the oral appliance is going to do is reposition the lower jaw forward. So kind of going back to that, that posturing um, that we see with patients, we're going to um, manually reposition that lower jaw forward to hold the airway open, open up the airway, make it a little larger, and also kind of put a little bit of tension to the soft palate and also physically move the tongue out of the way. Yeah, so I mean, that, that's exactly where I was going to go next anyway, because I mean, just as a general consumer, right, I only thought the, I thought the only option to treat sleep apnea was a CPAP machine. Is that common that patients come in and they're like, I had no idea this existed? Absolutely. And I think that, uh, I think it's, it's changing a bit, I think, in this area. I really can't. Maybe, maybe all, all across the country, um, I think there's more qualified dentists out there. There are more people that are, are um, focusing um, their, even their dental treatment um, on making sure that as we, let's say, change pa uh, patients' teeth and their bite to help bring that lower jaw forward to make sure we're not um, treating patients and creating uh, sleep apnea, other, other like sleep disordered breathing. Um, but I think that, uh, yes, you know, in, in general, I would say that um, most providers are going to choose a CPAP machine. They're extremely effective. And um, they, you know, they, I, I don't want to talk them down because they are super, super um, effective a form of treatment. And they will treat mild, moderate, severe sleep apnea. Oral appliance therapy has been um, approved for the treatment of mild to moderate sleep apnea, and then patients who cannot tolerate um, a CPAP machine who have more severe sleep apnea. Um, but with that being said, they can be used in combination with um, 
oral appliance therapy can be used in combination with a CPAP machine. And that tends to make it a lot more comfortable for many patients who might have higher pressures. So I always tell patients it's kind of like oral appliance is doing some work and then the CPAP is needing to do less work for, for you. So less pressure. And, there, and therefore they might feel more comfortable with the mask, not needing to have as much pressure on their face. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, you kind of talked a little bit about the bruxism. So I want to know, like, exactly at what point, Mike, you would refer over to Chrissy, mm -hmm. and I guess the the same thing. So you you talked about uh, it really needing to be a treatment team to with the physician. Uh, when when would you involve a, a therapist? And I guess Mike, when when do you are like you need to go see Dr. Connor. Mm -hmm. um, I think she can help you a lot, especially with the appliance at night. Um, I know appliances to a certain extent are used um, to treat TMD and mm -hmm. to vary, varying effectiveness, right? Yep, correct. Yeah. So. Well, when, you know, when, when a patient comes in to see me, okay, for if they've been referred for obstructive sleep apnea, part of my assessment always is going to be to um, also screen them for temporal mandibular joint dysfunction. So um, obviously that when, when you are using a mandibular advancement device um, to, to treat a patient with obstructive sleep apnea, you wanna make sure you have a healthy jaw joint. Um, so part of what I am doing you know, it, during my assessment is um, you know, making sure that the patient can have this type of a treatment. And I, if I feel that there's some temporal mandibular joint dysfunction, we'll sit down and have a conversation Sometimes I may want to treat that first before I put a patient in a mandibular advancement device. What will happen a lot, you know, for, like in Dr. Connor's case, for example, uh, if a patient, right, because it can come both ways, right? Sometimes someone might come to us in physical therapy first, not sure. even thinking that they're coming for sleep, right? Muscle okay. pain, headache, migraines, jaw pain. Maybe they can't open their mouth very wide, so they're not eating and chewing. Uh, or they can access someone right through through Dr. Connor's site. Maybe they, they specifically know they're having sleep issues, so their primary doctor or neurologist or someone would say, hey, you know, let's get you over to, to Dr. Chrissy. It's a mild case or a moderate case of sleep apnea because maybe they've done a study. Uh, so she can look at you and, and make an appropriate uh, appliance. So, so I think from the dental perspective, uh, and Dr. Connor, you can correct me along the way if I'm wrong, uh, you know, these people would come into her office, you know, uh, for a variety of reasons. And, and certainly one of it would be either TMD issues uh, and or sleep or both, because we've articulated they can happen together. Um, and I, I, at least what I tend to see with the collaboration uh, that we share is when her clients are coming in, you know, if they have a healthy TM joint, they, they probably don't need any physical therapy intervention. She's going to do what she does best to help deal with their sleep issue through uh, an appliance, or maybe it'll be a CPAP. It depends on what's appropriate for that person. But in a lot of cases, if they do have facial pain, muscle pain, limitation of opening, opening, everybody's probably very familiar if their jaw might pop or click, um, that might then do well uh, in collaboration where she would look at them, uh, see if a nighttime appliance, and again, keep in mind these are very customized and, and very important. I'm, I'm gonna put myself out there, I'm just not a fan of the over-the-counter over -counter ones that people can get at the store, because I don't think people realize the potential to change their bite and their occlusion. So that's why it's really important, I think, to work with a, a qualified dentist like Dr. Connor that can tease those things out and be monitoring you so that doesn't happen, because then that can create a separate set of issues. Uh, from the PT side of things, when people come in to see me, as Dr. Connor alluded to earlier, there's a list of questions I'll ask, you know, I mean, how is your sleep? How much sleep do you get? How many hours? Do you wake up frequently during the night? You know, why are you waking up? Is it because you have to go to the bathroom or just because you're waking up? Does your spouse ask you, if, you know, do you snore? Uh, have they ever noticed you gasping for breath, uh, restless legs? So there's, there's some really good questionnaires out there that have been well-researched and studied. So sometimes, you know, you don't even have to see them. You can ask a series of questions and know that this possibly sounds like a sleep issue. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, some of the objective things during the clinical exam that I would look at. Um, and, and that's when I would say, you know, there's a lot going on here. Uh, these are the things that I can work and, and treat, um, but we need help here. So I really would like you to see someone like Dr. Connor uh, to help address your sleep, because I, I think at the end of the day, most, most professionals would agree, 
I mean, sleep is crucial. That is our time at night to restore and repair, uh, balance our hormone levels. I mean, it's so crucial, right? And, and boy, it, it's such a problem. And I also want to talk to not just for adults. I think we are, you know, so missing the boat on children uh, that have this. And we know there's some pretty good studies out there showing uh, a pretty good correlation with, let's say, hyperactivity in children and poor sleep. But unfortunately, they get put on medications a lot before maybe someone with some knowledge and expertise has really looked at the importance of their airway uh, and, and cleaning that up. So, so anyway, so that's where I, you know, from a PT perspective, see that collaboration, and, and that's when we tend to see it back from from the dental community. And and I guess where what I was trying to um, say earlier is, you know, basically when patient comes in and they're coming in for, let's say, treatment for sleep apnea, and there is a joint issue going on, um, I probably would not tend to go onto a splint right away. And that's when really, um, I'd like to try to treat that medical condition, but get them into PT. Because I know that I can, I think that's underestimated, even in, as a dentist, where you can get a patient into physical therapy right away and avoid, avoid even possibly splints. So, mm -hmm. you know, splint is a splint, and right. I, you know, and that's something that, in my mind, you know, it's it's not something I want somebody living with with the rest of their life. But I think that really treating the problem, talking about posture, talking about um, you know ways that they can help themselves on a daily basis, um, I think is super important and, and a way to kind of really um, get patients to kind of take ownership of of their care too. So. You know, one thing, you know, when I, when I am evaluating patients for obstructive sleep apnea, are they a good candidate for a mandibular advancement device? If there's any temporomandibular joint issues going on, I do think it would be important for a patient to uh, seek Mike, Mike's help um, and his group's help right away as we are working on, um, on treating the obstructive sleep apnea. And then kind of going and adding more treatment if needed, you know, as we kind of move, move along. So it's good. So, so I, I think there are a few things that I want to unpack there. So <clears throat> one of the things that you'd mentioned is the, the over-the-counter splints that people mm -hmm. can buy. Mm -hmm. um, and then you had also mentioned that splints, not always the first option or the first thing you would even put someone in. Um, and I think to a certain extent, even in PT, there's other areas where I think you see these like one-size-fits-all treatments, these... TV commercials for certain devices, certain workout things that are like this, this is going to cure all your problems. I mean, do you get frustrated with patients that have kind of been set back already when they come into you for the first time and they're like, I've tried this, you know, this in-store generic splint that said it would cure everything and now it's worse or my jaw feels terrible, like you said, like, how do you go about education, educating those patients in terms of having to kind of back them off of all of the things that they've already tried? And um, do you just wish that, like, just see someone first? You're going to save yourself more time and money and pain mm -hmm. um, if you would just have a, a professional who knows what they're doing look at this first, well, then go ahead and spend a bunch of money on stuff that ultimately isn't going to work. Great, I think that's um, a great point. And I think that um, really sitting down and, and I, I think I, I've seen so many patients come in with literally a Ziploc bag of like five or six different splints, okay? So right there, you, you kind of know, all right, is this really the answer for this patient? They've had five different types of splints and they're still having issues here. That's when you really need to sit down and start really looking at their medical history and really taking your exam to, to, to the next level and really, you know, sitting down focusing on, on what, what the issues are here. Um, you know, have these patients had MRI scans of their jaw joints? Have they had CT scans of their, of their jaw joints? Um, you know, what, what exactly are their symptoms? Um, is, you know, one thing I have seen come through my, um, you know, in my practice is that people do miss not to keep going back to sleep, but they do miss the marker on TMD patients in sleep. So all of a sudden, you know, these patients come in, they've got five different appliances, nothing's working, They're, they've got, you know, tons of pain everywhere. Sleep we know is vital, right? We, we, we restore our body, so these, these patients are not getting good sleep. 
their pain levels are just getting worse. They're on all these different medications. So I feel like I have to just take, take a step back and I just have to just, I always tell them I gotta like peel the layers back. I don't wanna, pers I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna prescribe a splint. I wanna first take a good look here and, um, and really kind of figure out, okay, is this a person who's at risk for obstructive sleep apnea? I'm gonna look inside their mouth. I'm gonna look at the size of their tongue. I'm gonna look whether or not their tongue has indentations from their teeth, the size of their jaw. You know, is their airway small? Do they have large tonsils? Are they mouth breathers? Do they have a long face? I mean, I'm gonna take a look at all of that before I'm gonna say, you know what, let's get this patient in a TMD splint. Because that's not always the answer. A splint is a splint, right? Are you gonna use a cast for the rest of your life? Maybe not, right? I mean, hopefully not, right? So um, I want to sit down and, and you know, is, does this patient need a referral to a physical therapist? This is one of the reasons why I love working with Mike and his team, is that we will sit down and collaborate. We'll meet and take a look at, at, at scans together and really try to come up with a comprehensive treatment plan for this patient, not just, hey, let's just pass the ball along, right? We really wanna work on getting these patients out of pain. You know, does this patient need a referral to a neurologist? Does this patient need a referral to an ENT surgeon? Does this patient need a sleep study? Um, I feel like people are not taken seriously when they have, when they have temporal mandibular joint dysfunction. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, kind of stereotyped as, as you know, a person um, who, you know, you hear this all the time, oh, they're just crazy, they, you know, but are, are they, or is just nobody listening to them? And I think that, um, that is, I feel like that's been the focus of my practice, and, and uh, I'm very thankful that I have the time, and I have the background to understand that um, these patients really do need some TLC, and they need somebody to listen to them to really get to the heart of the problem. And if, if I'm going to be just another one of those providers that gives a patient another splint, I'm just going to be contributing, just adding to that um, failed treatment plan. So I uh, feel very fortunate to have a great community here. And really, the beginning part of my treatment plan begins with Freedom Physical Therapy, um, just because I know that um, they as well care the same way as I do, and we're going to work together to really try to get this patient um, into a better position and get them more aware of, of what, what's going on with their body. Yeah, that's great. No, I, I agree, and, and thank you for that, because yeah. I, I agree the collaboration has been fantastic. And, <clears throat> and I think what you were hitting on, too, is this is not a patient or individual that can be treated in seven minutes, right? Right. These, these the clients coming in with these issues take a lot of time and energy, which is probably also why it doesn't really fit in the traditional medical model, sadly, you know, where you've got to see four or five people an hour sometimes. Uh, and, and I'm sure we have all been to places where we've gone and if you get five to 10 minutes at most to state your case and get in and out, this is a multifactorial problem that needs to be addressed. And so you need time, you need the comprehension and the, the ability to look at it all, uh, like she was indicating with radiological images that can be helpful and, and lifestyle changes. I mean, you have to have an honest discussion about, you know, if you're a smoker, you know, that probably needs to be addressed. If you drink a fair amount of alcohol before bed, we know that that can affect your sleep. Sleep position, okay, let's not have you sleep on your back. Maybe let's have you sleep on your side instead with some pillows, right? So it's, it's really a, a, a pretty long-term process, I think, to get people to where they need to be. And of course, to keep motivating them to stay compliant because this, this is gonna take time, right? It's not like you're gonna, magical splint you're gonna put in or there's some magical manipulation I'm gonna do and everything's back to normal, right? This has usually been going on for a long time for people, uh, so it takes a while to make these modifications, right? And follow up. I think that's the other problem I see is uh, patients don't follow up enough, especially, and I, I wanna put this out there when it comes to the appropriate splints because it, it, it's like, I tell people, do you have an orthotic in your shoe? You know what, I write an insert? Yes, I do. Well, did you go running five miles all of a sudden? You know, no, you, right, you work into that. And, and so it's very important people understand they need to go back to see Dr. Connor to, to reassess and look at these things because you have to make adjustments when it's appropriate as well, right? So Ab that, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and as we know, right, the muscles will um, change the way mm -hmm. that your teeth are seated on the splint, so mm -hmm. um, coming in for adjustments on the splint is super 
crucial to actually making it a successful treatment plan. And it works best when we are collaborating, right, working on muscles, mm -hmm. and then we're able to harmonize the bite and uh, the balance on that orthotic. Mm -hmm. And that tends to um, help get patients more comfortable um, quicker, right. I mean, in my, in my right. opinion. Um, uh, one thing I think that gets neglected a little bit is um, talk a little bit about when they wake up in the morning and they've had one of these appliances made for themselves, what should they be doing? You know, like for me, for example, I really don't want them eating anything hard and crunchy, right? They need to get out of that appliance. You're talking about a mandibular advancement yes, device? right, yep. And there's maybe a few exercises they need to do. I think you also have a repositioner that they should wear in the morning, right, to help their the bite seat better before they all of a sudden start chomping on some hard granola cereal or you know hard crusty bread or a you know something that's or a bagel or something that's going to cause possible issues so i i feel like that gets uh missed a little bit so just kind of you know what, what would you you know they, they've come into you now you've determined this uh you've decided to make a good you know a mandibular advancement appliance because it seems the appropriate thing for them and then you know what do you tell them in the morning when they wake up and they take that out yeah so um what i usually recommend for patients when they um, wake up in the morning after using the mandibular advancement device is basically I don't want you chewing, eating anything at least 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I want you to, you know, if, if you shower in the morning, do some gentle stretches. So we show them how to do some gentle stretches in the shower um, or even just at the, at the bedside or even with their toothbrush. So kind of helping to deprogram your muscles. So um, while you've been sleeping, um, that lower jaw is attached to the upper jaw by muscles and ligaments, and muscles tend to have a memory. Um, so we want to help deprogram those muscles so that, that that lower jaw and those teeth can fit into the upper teeth in the, in the proper alignment. So not eating anything hard, not eating anything crunchy. Um, the other thing that we recommend, aside from the, from the um, stretches, is something called a morning deprogrammer. So um, it's, a, it's another... Uh, it looks almost like a, um, like a mouth guard that's used to kind of help patients figure out where their bite should be. Um, and we have patients using that for about 10 to 15 minutes. And that has been a really nice way for us to kind of deal with one of the biggest side effects of, of a mandibular advancement device, which could be a change in the way the upper and the lower teeth line up. So um, we've seen a lot of success with that. Um, type of a treatment where patients are able to use this device 10-15 minutes in the morning, stretches, um, and, and that seems to have really decreased those side effects of mm -hmm. occlusal changes. Yep, totally agree. And I think that that uh, unfortunately gets missed, you know, and, and that's why it's good to make sure that you're, you know, following up with what Dr. Connor's recommending so that you don't end up, because uh, I think sometimes those devices can get a bad reputation for causing a change in your bite, but it really should not if, if you know, you're actually following the protocol <laughs> and not making one up, not going on Google and thinking Google has the right answer uh, for you versus the expert opinion that you're getting from, you know, someone like Dr. Connor. So. And we know that occlusal changes really also depend on the amount of um, protrusion mm -hmm. that we are putting a patient in to clear the airway at night. Right. So that's the other key to this is that, you know, I have seen patients come in with devices and they are adjusting them continuously for years. And that's not how these devices are meant to be. So many patients don't need a much protrusion. Mm -hmm. And so you really need somebody that understands and also like with our, in our clinic, we send our patients back once we feel that we have adjusted it properly, we send them back for another, a repeat sleep study. Mm -hmm. So that is a really important aspect of this treatment, right? You're not gonna just blindly say, okay, yep, this looks like it's a good stopping point. Let's, you know, you're, you're good, your, your medical condition has been treated. No, we wanna send you back and have a repeated sleep study in that position that we've, we've put you with the mandibular advancement device to make sure that we have adequately treated your obstructive sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, that's a big, uh, important, uh, point to this, and and again, most of that can be done through a home sleep study at the convenience, you know, of of being in your own bed. Um, but mm -hmm. I think that you really need to understand that, um, you know, the protrusion, bringing that lower jaw forward, 
um, while you're sleeping to clear your airway. Um, that's something that, um, you know, that's something that I would be determining. And so we would be working together trying to figure that out, but that is something that I would um, at some point say, okay, you know, we're, we're done adjusting, protruding that lower jaw forward. It's time for you to go back to your, to your physician and have that retested, mm -hmm. have your sleep apnea re retested. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. That's smart. You had talked about not having this on for life or, or patients not, they're not going to comply with that for life necessarily. Um, is it something that they are going to have to expect to continually work on throughout their life to make sure that they're, they're doing that constantly? Are they going to have to be in that, on that CPAP machine or on that device for um, a long time? <clears throat> I just, how does that process go over, the, over, over time, I guess? I guess when you're talking about the treatment for obstructive sleep apnea, yes, a okay. CPAP machine and a mandibular advancement device are treatments for sleep apnea. They're not cures. So um, when I was kind of talking about, you know, a splint, I, I think more of a temporomandibular joint type of a splint, an orthotic, okay. um, and not needing something like that for life. But, you know, are there surgical options that might be able to fully treat obstructive sleep apnea? Absolutely. There are some surgical options. Um, that that can, but not everybody wants to go through an invasive surgery. And so when I talk about a mandibular advancement device, I am talking about a non-surgical treatment option okay. for obstructive sleep apnea. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's good, yeah. Okay. And I think, you know, it is possible, right, if people make the appropriate lifestyle changes. I mean, let's, let's say, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, obesity is an issue. And, you know, they have a thicker neck, right? And, and they have severe sinus and allergy issues. And they're a smoker. And they have two drinks, you know, of alcohol before bed. I mean, um, if that person, right, would down the road, six months, a year, two years, whatever that time frame would be, would make these necessary lifestyle changes, it is possible. That, I have right? seen it. Yeah. I've absolutely seen it. I've seen yeah. patients with moderate obstructive sleep apnea go down to normal numbers, yep. less than five uh, episodes in an hour. Mm -hmm. And um, definitely, but is that, you know, I, I, that's a part of the counseling that we do right. during our, um, mm -hmm. our initial consultation with patients is that, you know, body mass index is a, is a big factor. It can be a big mm -hmm. risk factor for obstructive sleep apnea, um, nasal issues, congestion, mm -hmm. mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. um, but I also do think that, you know, the role of, of, um, you know, when you see patients, well, the role of, of the lower jaw, right? So we are kind of talking about that earlier about facial profiles. There are some patients that just really have a more uh, recessed right. jaw. True. And so they're, they're, they might be at more risk for obstructive sleep ap apnea, um, very narrow jaws um, where, you know, you look at inside their mouths and they have a normal sized tongue, but their jaws are just really, really small. Um, those are patients that, you know, and they're, and they're very thin. Mm -hmm. Why do they have a severe obstructive sleep right. apnea? Correct. And is there anything that they can do to, you know, to actually change the size of their airway? Mm -hmm. yep. You know, are those surgical candidates? Mm -hmm. um, are those patients that might need, um, there are certain types of growth appliances that can be used. There, um, that might be a different topic of conversation another time mm -hmm. um, that can be used to help uh, make some more width inside of the mouth so that the tongue um, has, has more room in there. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Um, right. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because there's structural things that would matter if you're overweight or not that need to be looked at and addressed. Exactly. And, and what and about the, the role of myofunctional therapies yeah, for these right? patients? I mean, there's some good literature out yep. there that can show at least, you know, minimum of 50% mm -hmm. uh, reduction in those uh, apnea, hypopnea numbers mm -hmm. um, for patients that spend time strengthening. I mean, the airway is a dynamic process, right? It's going to mm -hmm. change throughout your entire life, right? Yep. And there's a lot more to obstructive sleep apnea than just, you know, where's your tongue position, right, right. at nighttime. So when you think about the collapsibility of that, of that airway, and that's what these patients are having repeated episodes of as well. Um, so, uh, you know, they're having obstruction, full obstruction or partial obstruction, but there's also collapsibility of that airway. What are things that we can do? And this is why alcohol mm -hmm. tends right. to relax those muscles and mm -hmm. you, you know, get louder snoring and right. more episodes. Um, but what is the role of, of helping to strengthen those muscles in the back of the throat? Um, I think that would be something that, you know, I know that you've been working on mm -hmm. um, 
doing extra training for helping to strengthen those upper airway muscles. Right. And I think the future really will be um, help, you know, whether it is a patient goes into a CPAP machine, a mandibular advancement device, or is a surgical candidate, I think that we will be working a lot more on learning um, that that the yeah. myofunctional therapies mm -hmm. helping to strengthen those muscles in the back of the throat is going to serve a really important um, aspect of treatment, yep. non-surgical treatment. Oh, yep, agree. Yeah, agree. And the, the the challenge, like anything, right, is it takes time, though, right? As a, as a patient, got to put in the time, which we all seem very limited on these days. So, but it can make a huge difference to work on those the soft palate, the muscle, the tissues with some exercises and things to strengthen and increase the tone. Yep. So there's less sagging, so to speak, uh, back in that area, which will help open up the airway as well. So. Well, yeah. and I think that's the key here, that this is multifactorial. Right. And it, you know, it's going to change throughout your entire life. Mm -hmm. That's a great um, point. I think, you know, when I, when I talk to patients that have, you know, been, you know, been diagnosed and then have a repeat sleep study and sometimes don't understand that their numbers can get worse. How can my numbers get worse? You know, I'm thinner than I was, you know, it, it, the airway changes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there's so many different components of, of, um, you know, abstract, of job, you know, job alignment, job positioning, um, uh, tone in the back of your throat, weight, uh, position while you sleep. So there's, mm -hmm. it's multifactorial. Yeah, agree completely. So thank you, Dr. Connor, for coming on, and uh, we appreciate your time, and sorry we kept you a little bit late, but uh, we enjoyed the conversation with you, and thanks, Mike, for coming on as well. Thank you. Thank you well. so much, Brady and Mike. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one -on -one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more. With four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin, more information at freedompt.com.